Josie DeVidio is a woman on a mission to explore the human experience. With a passion to bring entertaining and informative content to your ears, real talk, real people, this is Josieology. Hey friends, welcome back to Josieology. I'm your host, Josie DeVidio, and today my guest is Nicole Burgess a licensed psychotherapist and leadership coach to sensitive and high-achieving professional women in midlife. Nicole, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Josie. I'm excited. The reason I brought you on the show today is because I learned that you are an expert on this topic. Highly sensitive people is a phrase that I've just started hearing recently, and I don't know if I read it in an article or in a book, because I I read so much, and I'm starting to lose track of where I hear things from now, but (laughs) as it came up, I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting phrase or an interesting new way of categorizing a set of traits, and then all of a sudden, I'm hearing it everywhere I go, and so when I realized that you you know, this is your line of work and you're the go-to person on this. I wanted to have you on so we could talk about that because I think a lot of my listeners are professional women and a lot of my listeners in general are highly sensitive people and they just might not even realize that that is what they are. Mm -hmm. So can you explain to us what is a highly sensitive person? Yeah, absolutely. So the term actually comes from Dr. Elaine Aaron. She has been doing this research since early 90s She's had thousands of people take her online quiz to see if they're highly sensitive. She's done tons of writing, books, blog posts, videos, trainings. And so what it means is she's got an acronym called DOES. The D is for the depth of processing. That's where your inner world, your brain, right? You're doing so many just deep processing of all the information that is coming in, all the stimulus that is coming in. You're a deep feeler. You've got a lot of empathy for others. And also that for as an HSP, you are 20% of the population. So that means over 80% are non-HSPs in the world. So it's like there's a small little subset of us who are in this world who feel things really deeply. The O is for the overarousability, which means you can be easily overstimulated or overaroused. And so this is where It can be challenging at times to find kind of your optimal level of what keeps you energized, but doesn't overwhelm you. And so you got to sometimes figure that out. E is for the emotional intensity, or she also calls it the emotionally responsive or reactive. As HSPs, we're really prone to strong, positive and negative affects. Whereas non-sensitives in the same given situation, they're going to have emotions, but not nearly as strongly. And she shows this, she talks about it in some of her books too, about the fMRI studies and they show the mirror neurons and how they light up in HSPs where that's not the same um, part that lights up for non-HSPs. The S is sensory sensitivity. And that usually comes from processing of stimuli. And that means there's like three different kinds of stimuli, right? You've got your clothing, you've got temperatures, you've got the sounds that you hear. It's all of those things that are coming in from the external world and how your brain is literally processing those stimulations from that. So for some of your listeners, if they are really sensitive to light, like that's one of my things. Like when we started our podcast today and we were doing video, I've got my lights off. It's like, okay, I've had enough lights for the moment. I just got to turn things off and be in more natural lighting. So that's one of my, I can get overstimulated if things are like those fluorescent lights or things are too bright. For other people, sometimes that sense of smell 
can be really too much. And the clients I work with both in my office and then those that I work virtually with, it's not an issue. But in my office, most of my clients are HSPs and they don't wear a lot of strong perfumes because of that sensory sensitivity regarding just the smelling as well. And so this is you're born this way. This isn't something that you learn. This isn't something you just get. You're literally born as a highly sensitive person. Now, this reminds me a lot of what years ago was involved in the autism spectrum disorders. I mean, there was sensory processing, a segment of that spectrum that was just sensory processing things. Is this related to that? No. And Dr. Aaron has an article on that. I, since I don't specialize in those distinctions of it, I'm going to leave people to like go look up her information, but it is not autism. That's a whole different spectrum because with autism, there's also eating issues that can go on due to the gut issues and how they process information in general and whether they can articulate things. So autism is a, is a vastly different spectrum. It doesn't mean they can't be HSPs, but it's, it's a different thing. Yeah, because I don't know where the autism spectrum delineation stands today, but years ago, it you know, was all kind of lumped together. <laughs> and so there were things that were traits that sounded similar having to do with sensory processing in like higher functioning levels of that spectrum. So that's just what it reminded me of. <laughs> so yes, you're saying that this is completely separate from that. This is just a way that highly sensitive people experience life. Correct. Can you grow out of this? Or is this something that you will be dealing with your whole life? Nope. You're born with it. You've got it. It is yours. It's time to embrace it. And, and to learn how to deal and cope and, mm -hmm. you know, bring relief into your day. Yes. And part of this, because of these sensitivities, right, whether it's the stimulation, the intensity of emotions, the depth of processing, because you're literally wired differently. It is really managing that overstimulation, which I hear so often with my clients, and I know I can go into that too, of overwhelm. And it is learning what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And so that's a big, big piece of it. When you really understand, oh, wait, this is part of who I am, and my sensitivities really are my strengths, but I also need to make sure I've got enough downtime, enough quiet time, no electronic time, so that my body and my mind can truly pause and stop all the stimulation that's coming in. I'm curious about how you got into this field because this is a very specialized field of work for you. Well, the funny story is a couple years ago, one of my colleagues, I actually was talking to her on my podcast and she um, was talking about how she was trained in it in grad school. And many therapists, psychotherapists are actually HSPs, those who are in spirituality, religion, Different healing fields are a lot of them are HSPs. And so I hadn't heard that term until she talked about it because we didn't talk about it in grad school. But I knew as my temperament, and Myers Briggs, I'm an INFJ, but that temperament is also the NF. It's pretty common that many people who have that NF, whether they're introverted or extroverted, because HSPs can also be extroverts, that that typically that goes along with being sensitive. And so you typically can be a highly sensitive person as well. Yeah. I'm, now that the more we're talking about it, I'm convinced I'm also an HSP because I, <laughs> I have definitely, as I get older, notice that I'm, I, you know, I'm just more annoyed by things and more overwhelmed. And, you know, I do require more downtime now. So who knows, maybe I've been this all along. And just now as I get older, I'm recognizing it. Yeah. And when I took uh, Dr. Aaron's quiz, she has one on, oh, and no, I'm just going to blank on the name of it. 
Because you can be highly sensitive, but you're also a sensation like seeker. And I, know, I don't think that's the correct term, but my mind just totally went blank on it. But I used to, you know, go to concerts. I used to do more sort of physically daring things because it was fun. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, eh, that just doesn't do as much for me anymore. And so that can shift where you're not necessarily seeking some of those things, where you're getting a little more quiet with things and just noticing like, wow, what I used to be able to do, I'm choosing to no longer do because maybe when I was younger, it worked for me. I also believe that on the sensitivity scale, I'm not as sensitive as some of my other colleagues. They are ranked way up there in all the sensitivity traits that she, in her quiz that she names, there's like degrees of these. And I know I'm like, yeah, I've got a lot of those things, but I don't hit all of them like some other colleagues that I know do. You know, I imagine that this field is really exciting in a way because you're giving people the tools to understand themselves better so that they can be more productive or have Mm -hmm. a more fulfilling life because they can deal with these challenges they have. You know, half of the battle is just being aware that this is what's bugging you. Correct. And it has been rewarding. So as a therapist, my training is really in trauma and anxiety. And as a coach, I'm looking much more for like, what are things that are getting women that, you know, that are keeping them stuck in what they're doing? It's like they're going after their dreams. They love what they do, but they're more often than not overwhelmed and stressed out. And so I'm helping them learn the tools that work for them. But yeah, if there's trauma stuff going on, it's been able to say, I can heal from this and I can move forward as well. Now, you specifically work with uh, professional women in midlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious to know what that looks like. Like it, what, what kind of struggles do professional women in midlife have if they are HSPs? And how is that different from, say, a stay-at-home mom? So the professionals that I've worked with, right, they, are, they can be managers, they can be entrepreneurs, they've got some big dreams and maybe they're wanting to go to that next level, whether it's maybe it's being a director or expanding their business. Again, that works for them. And I know for some of the the folks that I've worked with, the women that I've worked with, it's also just managing like, okay, maybe the kids have already you know launched or they're getting ready to launch. And so they're redefining what that looks like for them. If they've not put themselves kind of at the top of taking care of themselves, it's now realigning that. So they're looking at, if I want to go after that promotion, it's okay for me to assert myself. And what that means is I also have to be very aware of setting boundaries with what time am I going to be done with work? And that can happen as an entrepreneur as well. We can kind of let that bleed over into weekends. It's making sure you have time to just for downtime to go play, to have some of that fun. And if you're launching your kiddos and you're doing all of the same time, it's giving yourself permission just to feel all the feelings that are going to come up. So for moms, big one is making sure they truly have time for themselves. Because that stay-at-home mom, that's a job in and of itself. Right. Yeah. They're managing the home, the kids, but they also need time for themselves. Yeah. That's the challenge with being a stay-at-home mom is there is no delineation of, okay, my work day is done or it is Mm -hmm. the weekend or, you know, you're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so you have to actually be more purposeful in your self-care that way. Yes. Nicole, when we come back, I want to get into self-care and and how are HSPs supposed to manage this overwhelm? Sounds good. Hey friends, we should be hanging out by now. I don't know what you're doing. If you're on Instagram, you know you can find me at Josiology Podcast. And if you're on Facebook, well, Facebook is tricky. 
You know, they're so annoying with their constant changing of their algorithms. Right now, if you like the Josiology Facebook page, you totally should, by the way, because it's fun and I post some cool stuff there. But you may not be seeing half of what I post. In fact, you may be seeing very little of what I post. But Facebook does show people in the Josiology Podcast private Facebook group way more stuff that I'm posting. And that is the place you want to be because I also post promo codes and special offers for my Josiologists. So if you're not in there already, come hang out with me in there. You'll need a password to get in. And the password is Hangout. Let me guess though, you're a Twitter person. I knew it. I've been on Twitter for so long and I still don't really get how to use it. I think what trips me up is the 140 characters. I'm just way too verbose for that platform. But I try to show up there too. So if you're a Twitter person, okay, let's hang out over there. On Twitter, I am at Josie DeVideo. So now there's no reason why we shouldn't be hanging out on social. I'll see you there. All right. So Nicole, we were talking about um, HSPs and their sense of overwhelm and whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a professional woman, making sure we set aside time for self-care so that we can decompress and reduce the overwhelm. So how do high-achieving, sensitive women manage stress and overwhelm? And is that going to be different than stay-at-home moms? Yes and no. So for any HSP, whether you're out in the workforce or you're at home doing the so-called workforce there, you've got to make sure you truly have downtime. And what I mean by that is, again, that stimulation can come in a lot just through watching too much TV, being on the phone, getting involved in social media, all the chaos that can happen when you're at home or when you're at the office. It's making sure, how are you starting your day? Can you set aside five to 10 minutes now, sometimes I will get the pushback. Nope, I can't do that, Nicole. I don't have enough time of the day. And we'll say, really? How many hours are you on social media? Right. And it's being able to shut that stuff off. And sometimes just even closing your eyes for a few minutes can help decrease the stimulation that is going on. For stay-at-home moms, depending on the age of your kiddos, if there is a lot of noise that goes on and that's one of your kind of triggers, like, wow, that's just so much noise, you may need to remove yourself for a few minutes or tell everybody, hey, the volume needs to turn down just for a few minutes because I can feel my overwhelm or frustration going up due to all the noise. So it's little things like that that can help. Yeah. And realistically, if you are a mom with young kids where you're with them all day long, you can start building in moments of pause in your schedule. Like this is just yes. normal life. I mean, that would be ideal. You know, like if I could go back, my sons are teenagers now, but if I could go back knowing what I know now, I would have, you know, we had structured days with my kids when they were little, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we had rest time and nap time, but I think it, I would have been more purposeful in terms of being like, we are going to have no stimulation for this amount of time, no matter how long that is, you know, three minutes, five minutes, whatever. But just to stress the importance of this is normal and this is okay. And you should seek to do that just for your own well-being. And it's also self-regulating for the kids. So when I've worked with parents in the past, you know, we call it quiet time when you've got little ones. And it's being able for the children to know that, yes, you're mom, but that's more than that's more than who you are. That's a role that you're in. And it's okay for you as a human being to say, I do need this quiet time. And your kids, as they grow up, they can really recognize that and honor that as well in their own self-care. So you role model that to them. 
another HSP mom I talked to, she realized early on, not only was she HSP, but she was introverted. And she was just like, I had to have some outside care. I needed a break because I wanted to do my work. And at the same time, I couldn't do the mothering 24-7 without some sort of break. So, you know, she hired a nanny to help kind of come in and be able to watch her daughter while she did some other things. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of this self-care stuff is not exclusive to HSPs. I mean, it's really good practice for everyone. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for women in general, there's still a huge message that self-care is selfish. And it's in a way, it's like, fine, if you wanted to to deem it that beautiful, I am going to be selfish because the more that I give myself permission to have some downtime, some quiet time to really nurture me, to go within myself, to see where I'm at right now in my life, the more able I am to be fully present in my relationships, I'm more capable and creative in my own business. I actually have more space in life when I actually take care of me. Otherwise, I'm burnt out and I'm grumpy and I'm going to take it out on the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that's kind of a conundrum for modern day women is that, yes, it does feel selfish to take time for yourself. But like you said, you can't really, you know, serve your family or your coworkers or your community if you're depleted. You know, you have to be able to fill your own cup before you can share it with others. Yeah, absolutely. And I laugh because there's times where I use the old saying, you know, when you get on the airplane and they say you have to put your oxygen mask on first before anybody else, this is the crux of it. It's like, yeah, you need to be able to breathe. Otherwise, you won't be there for anybody. So what else would you recommend in terms of managing this stress and overwhelm? So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is I incorporate like mindfulness or like a spiritual practice into their life. Now, many of them, they've had a spiritual practice and then it kind of fell by the wayside. But mindfulness, walking in nature is huge for HSPs. And there's tons of research out there how it's very nourishing for anybody. But nature in and of itself brings a lot of calm and groundedness to HSPs. And then having a meditation practice, just walking in nature, observing, you're not judging what's going on around you. You're just noticing can help you kind of reconnect with your own body, get you out of your head. And just allow yourself to be in that space. You can set up a meditation practice in the morning, take a deep breath that, you know, in the afternoon, do it in the evening. And again, if you, if you have the option to do 30 minutes to an hour, beautiful, but five to 10 minutes also makes a big change in the brain. It actually grows the gray uh, matter in your brain. So you're able to do less reacting and more responding in life. It just helps calm you down overall. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I said, I think this is super important for all people because at some point you're going to burn out. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like even for myself, I was a very high functioning, uh, you know, hustle all the time kind of person. And now as I get older, it's harder and harder to do, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to break the pattern of working at that level or existing at that level. And I think if we could learn these self-care things, all of us earlier on in our lives, it would just help with our wellness and longevity. Absolutely. And what you're sharing, Josie, too, is like this insight, like, okay, I've been through this and how can I help others, you know, listening to be able to break through this? So some of it, honestly, is just it's learned messaging, perceptions, filters that we were when we were kids. And then we bring that into adulthood. And so now it's being able to break through those old limiting beliefs, those old stories 
to say, well, that doesn't match me. Right. right. And as you undo that, now I'm setting my life up differently because yeah, we know physically if we stay on high stress, it does a lot of damage literally to our heart. It does damage to the adrenal glands. It's just going to impact your health level if you choose not to go, okay, this is a no, it's non-negotiable. I need to have this self-care, whatever that looks like for you to build that into my life because my health is going to be impacted if I don't. You know, at the top of the show, we talked about that your practice is predominantly professional women in midlife. Is there a reason for that? Is like midlife when everything kind of comes to a head for people? Well, so what happens, it seems like, again, this is from my perception of things. I've watched women where I used to work with younger people. And again, my clinical practice, I work a lot with teens and their parents. But I'm watching with the professional women, it's kind of like what you were saying. It's like things have been pushing along and they're hustling and over and over. And they're just like, I like what I do, but man, I'm exhausted all the time. And so it's going back and reevaluating more of like managing their energy versus necessarily the time and how they are now discovering more about themselves at this stage of life. And like, oh, so if I'm not listening to my own strengths and my own traits, I will continue to burn myself out. But when I make these small little pivots, all of a sudden life works more with ease and with flow. So again, they like what they're doing, but they're missing out on their personal life. And so they're wanting to come back into, I want a little more people call balance. They identify with that word balance, but I think it's a myth. There's no true balance in life. I call it having harmony in all the aspects of your life. I agree. I I think that we use that word, you know, I want to have balance uh, kind of flippantly. It's not not really something you can achieve because at any given moment, something requires more of our attention than something else. We can't be paying attention to everything in our lives equally all the time. Correct. Absolutely. Now, if listeners are thinking, you know what, I might be an HSP, (laughs) where can they find out more? First, I'd have them Google HSP quiz. And that will take them out to Dr. Elaine Aaron's website. And she's got a little quiz that's up there that they can go to. If you are, you know, driving or working out while listening to this, then you don't have to remember. I'll have it in the show notes for today's episode. The show notes are going to be either on your phone, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you click on details or notes, you'll see the show notes, but also it'll be on the website, which is josiology.com. There will be a post for the specific episode, and I'm going to have all of Nicole's information on there as well as the link to this quiz. Great. Are there any books that you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So one thing is if if they think they are or they found out, oh my gosh, I am an HSP, Dr. Elaine Aaron has the Highly Sensitive Person book, and I would recommend that to anybody to begin to read that to gain understanding. If you believe you're married or you're dating somebody who may be an HSP, there's also a book on love that would be good, but I think that's a great starting place for people. A lot of HSPs, I know they struggle with perfectionism that keeps them stuck in things. So The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown is a good one. And self-compassion can be a struggle too if you think you've got to do more, be more, and you're pushing all the time. So Self-Compassion by Dr. Kirsten Neff is another great book. And those are ones I, I recommend like every single week to people that I work with. Now, I was also looking at your website, which is you know great. It has a lot of great information on there. And I noticed that you offer a free five-step strategy. So tell us about that. Yeah, it's an online kind of workshop. So people can sign up for a time where they can go out for, if you're a high-achieving HSP woman, 
basically five shifts that they can go through so that they can really start to begin to embrace more of who they are, but break that overwhelm if they're stuck in that pattern. As I said, that's a pretty common thing for many HSPs. They get overwhelmed a lot and they're not too sure what to do differently. So that workshop that I have on there, again, it's online. They can go out and watch it. You also mentioned earlier that you have a podcast. It's called Soul Filled Sisterhood. Tell us about that. Do you speak predominantly about this topic or or other topics? I've got like a multitude. So a lot of my guests that I speak when I have them on, they're either typically introverts and or HSPs. Most of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them, some of our conversations are about mental health and some of it is more kind of the coaching aspect. And then I've got some solo episodes too. So for me, I like to listen to a variety of topics. And so it covers a lot of things, but I definitely do it from the vantage point too of here's what I am as an HSP and introvert one as well, kind of how things move me, strike me and how you can embrace that as well. That's great. So listeners, if you want to learn more about this, you should tune into her podcast because it's going to be a wealth of information. Like if you don't have time to read the book or anything like that, podcasts are awesome because you can do that while you're doing something else and you really get (laughs) a lot of value from them and they're free. So why not tune in? Absolutely. Her podcast is available on all the listening apps. And of course, you can always visit Nicole's website, which is NicoleBurgessCoaching.com. It's uh, her last name is spelled B-U-R-G-E-S-S, Nicole Burgess Coaching.com. And again, I'll have that in the show notes as well as on the website, uh, my website, Josiology.com. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today to teach me and my listeners about HSP. Anytime we can understand how to connect with other humans better, it's always awesome because it impacts not just our own lives, but also our community. So thank you for doing this work. Well, thank you for having me on, Josie, and for what you're putting out there too. You've got some great guests on your show. So thank you for what you're doing as well. Thank you for listening to Josieology. Be sure to visit Josieology.com to access the show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. To join the conversation, find us on Facebook or Instagram with username at Josieology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.